What's up, everybody? Welcome to a holiday edition of the Big One Podcast. We've got a three-man crew this week, but it's it's not the typical three-man crew. So we got Baby G here, we got B-Boy, and we also got a rotating third in this week. Who do we got as our special guest for Chicago? Your special guest this week is Big G. Welcome, welcome. I believe this is the first time officially recording a podcast. We've we've done some hot mics, some clips, some some mm-hmm. good stuff in the past seasons, but you guys uh, out of the country again. He's a traveling man, and we had to fill in the third chair this week. Yeah, busy week, July Fourth week. A lot, of, a lot of people heading out different places. Y'all y'all got big July Fourth plans? Got some family stuff? It kind of in the middle of it, so did some stuff yesterday. Today I got the the folks coming over, we're doing some Korean barbecue and hitting the fireworks uh, downtown, nice. so that'll be fun. And tomorrow I'm going to a Milwaukee Brewers game with some uh, free tickets, free parking, free food, so it should be pretty fun. Oh, yeah. Nice. Tomorrow we will probably be checking out the local festivities, so we're just going to take in Minnesota 4th of July culture. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I you know, as he was speaking and saying all that, my mind went to that you're with them, but of course you live in a totally different city. So, um, yeah, it makes it makes sense. I guess you've always lived in a different city, but at least before it was like very manageable, uh, for a quick, quick getaway. So, yeah, so we're the big one podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at podcast, big one. You can email us podcast, big one at gmail.com. Like always, we're talking motorsports this week, a lot of NASCAR, some F1, some other series potentially as well. I know I caught some IndyCar over this weekend. That was fun to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have we do have a sponsor this week. So, as many of you know, down in Chicago, we were getting a whole heck of a lot of wet weather. We were using those wet weather tires. So, we got Ponchos as our sponsor. They were selling big time down there in Chicago. Big markups on those oh, Ponchos sure. on the secondary market, it looked like. So, Ponchos is the sponsor this week. I don't know how much Ponchos could have done uh, <laughs> compared to the torrential rain that Chicago got uh, from what I saw. Um, it seems so interesting to me that every single time NASCAR goes somewhere, the, the weather breaks in a way that is uh, different than it had been, at least for the that season normally or, or, or just generally uh, for the last couple of weeks. Because I had heard that it hadn't rained in Chicago for several weeks and that that was like a monsoon that essentially came through. Um, which is just ridiculous, but it's been a super dry summer in the Midwest. And they have, like they mm-hmm. said on the broadcast, just record levels of rain. The whole river walk is flooded now after the fact it's, it's pretty grim and pretty incredible that they were able to get some racing in throughout those conditions. So what do you say? Do we jump right into Xfinity here and, and break it down? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, all right. So Xfinity race uh, started on Saturday. They they had practice Saturday morning in the wet. Um, so we're, we're running around there in some wet weather tires. Um, then we got a bit bit of a dry spell. Got to got to get the qualifying and some practice in for the for the Cup folks. And then we went green for the Xfinity race um, at least for a good while. Um, Cole Custer jumped out to the lead. He started on the pole. Um, just like he did in Portland, kind of pulled away a good bit. Um, was was a relatively clean race. It was everyone being very nice and calm. Justin Marks, unfortunately, just a couple laps in, uh, met his demise to a blown engine. Um, that can happen sometimes when the when the you know you get a new guy in the car. Uh, I'm not gonna say it was all Justin Marks' fault. Maybe it was none of his fault. But I think folks were really excited to see how well he'd do, and he did not do well at all. Um, but then we got close to the end of stage two. 
And about two laps prior, there was some lightning. Had to bring the cars down uh, to, to uh, uh, red flag conditions. Actually, two laps prior to halfway in the race, not two laps prior to the end of the stage. Um, and they, they ended up red flagging it. Uh, there was some controversy in the evening there because they were supposed to have some concerts after the race, and those had to get shut down too. Those were Chicago Park policies that were in place, not NASCAR policies that ended up canceling those shows. Um, they don't they don't want to be having public events. The same thing happens with Lollapalooza sometimes. I've been there when it's gotten shut down because of lightning in the area. Um, it's for the safety of everyone. You know, there was that little big town concert a long time ago where the stage collapse killed some people. Um, I remember being at Lala actually right after that, and they shut they shut things down. They were very serious about it. So unfortunately, they had to continue the next day. We're not able to. It was that monsoon had really come through the Saturday night into Sunday morning, and they ended up having to call the race prior to getting halfway done with the race and called it official. Um, this is the first time in my memory that since they've established these rules about running half the race that they've called a race prior to halfway again two laps short of going half of the scheduled distance um so cole custer gets declared the winner um and basically i think the biggest reason they had to call it is just because they they didn't have a contract with the city to be able to run these races on on monday i think that's what happened i think if it had been the cup race maybe they would have found a way to make it work but with the xfinity race and just being two laps prior to the to the halfway they were just like nope we're done Big G, what did you think of this one? I know you were texting me a little bit during the race. What were you seeing out there at Xfinity? It seemed like a bit of a hot mess uh, from what you were texting me while I was out at a little pool party. Yeah, I was giving it my best uh, effort to watch the race. And as B-Boy said, they were playing really nice in the beginning. The coverage was talking about how they really didn't have much time on the course. And you kind of got that. Like, no one was really going for it that much. It actually was getting interesting more near the end, right when they called it. And it's a mm-hmm. shame that those drivers didn't get a chance to go all out against the course because the first stage was really boring. It was hard to watch. Yeah, it was like a pretty yeah. hard watch. Yeah, it, I mean, besides the spectacle and the coolness of racing in Chicago, uh, the guys were just ramping up to the point where they were going to be aggressive. Had we gotten like that red flag? And, you know, you have to wait 30 minutes, and then if there's another lightning strike, then the 30-minute clock resets and everything. Had they gotten going again 30 minutes after that, it would have been, like, a wreck fest. I can guarantee you, if everyone knew that there was lightning in the area and very well could end the race and they would have ran those extra two laps, everyone would have been going for it. Custer probably would have been taken out of the lead right in that first restart in that first lap. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, uh, didn't get the Xfinity show that the fans came for. Didn't get the Chainsmokers show that a lot of fans paid for and, and try to go for. Um, I do hope they work out some kind of a refund policy for the Saturday races specifically. If you had a single day event tickets, um, or maybe even if you had the two day discounting it somehow and getting you some money back, um, if they return next year, maybe they can give them tickets to that. That would be cool. Yeah, and it's a it's a shame that it was looking like this was going to be a really cool weekend. Unfortunately, the Xfinity kind of fizzled out there with the lightning, but hey, you can't control the weather. So Cup Race, though, Cup Race was a really fun watch for me. I mean, I, I had an absolute blast watching this thing, just some of the shots that they were able to, able to get of the city and the different camera angles. Just It was a very, very cool event, and, and I'm excited if they do renew this thing and come back. Obviously not renew, mm-hmm. but if they keep their contract for the two to three, two and th- years two and three i think it could be really really fun if if everything goes off without a hitch with weather mm-hmm. 
Uh, do you want to recap the cup race now that we're yeah, on Sunday? Yeah, so stage, we'll jump through the stages, and then we can kind of get into some of our uh, commentary. So stage one winner, Christopher Bell. Stage two winner, Christopher Bell. And your race winner, the road course ringer, Shane Van Gibsbergen. So really, really cool that this guy that comes in with Project 91 is able to just, at the end of this race, show his skill and dominate and, and win at the end there in overtime. I mean, he was he was up there the whole time, and I think the one thing worth commenting right off of what you just said, Christopher Bell won the first two stages, and then him and Shane and several other drivers kind of got screwed over because NASCAR cut it back to 75 laps, and they, they didn't pit, and then when they did, they were behind the guys that had pit previous to them cutting it back to 75 laps, um, and then those folks were going to be able to run to the end, potentially, um, and then it did run to the end, uh, but... You know, Christopher Bell got caught up in some other stuff, and Shane didn't. And Shane ran right back up to the front and went on to win. Uh, so dominant car, dominant driver. He was there from the beginning of the practice sessions um, and even through uh, qualifying. I remember going to try and bet on him uh, right after qualifying, and his odds were the second best going into the weekend, which has got to be kind of crazy for a guy's first stint in a cup car. Um, but that's how d- uh, dominant he was in that Project 91 car in track house. Two straight wins now. For sure. Stage one, some interesting stuff here. A lot of the guys, so we started on the slick, the wet, or we started on the wet weather tires. Later, they transitioned to the slicks once the track dried up and heated up a little bit. So Noah Gregson, me and Big G were watching this one together and it's like, what is this guy doing? He missed that same turn. I think it was turn six, like four or five times and just straight into the tires. And one of the biggest hits early was Kyle Busch. Big G, talk us through what Kyle Busch was doing there. Like, we, we saw that crash, and it was like, what's going on? I honestly can't even explain what was going on. It looked like he literally just drove straight into the tires without thinking of even turning. It was kind of nuts. Like, I don't know if he got caught up in the traffic or something else was going on, and also I was like, oh, I got to turn here. And instead he just went, yeah. like, five deep into it. Like, I thought it was comical how deep the tires were, but they needed it for some of those crashes. They were hitting that corner hard. Oh, yeah, but notice no damage to the car. Kyle Busch ends up with the top five at the end of the day, right? It reminds me of uh, Chase Elliott went into the turn one at uh, the Roval in the second year of the Roval, nosed it right in there almost exactly the same way. Same thing, tire barrier. Got it back out. They put some tape on the nose, went back out there, dominated the rest of the race, and won the race. Uh, so it can happen. These these cars are really strong um, and, and can survive these things, but – what happened was, and this is what was happening to a lot of people, Noah Gregson uh, and everyone that we mentioned uh, that, that had some issues. Um, basically, you were trying to run so hard, and the brake package is so good on these cars that you're trying to run down to the corner really hard. If you miss your braking zone by five milliseconds, let's say, which is like nothing, right? That's, a, that's no time at all. You might just be slightly further down the track and hit one of those bumps. And if that's where you try to hit the brakes, you don't get your foot on the pedal quite as hard as you need to, or you start locking up the tires because they get up off the ground for a second and they're back down. And you're also skipping across water to add to all of that. And we had been seeing it in practice and qualifying and some folks uh, wrecking for various different reasons, but like add in the wet element of you may not be able to get woed up because you might hydroplane. And it made sense that folks, even the most talented drivers were having issues. I mean, we mentioned Kyle Busch and uh, I wouldn't say Noah Gregson's the most talented driver in the world, but Kyle Busch had issues. Harvick and Chase Elliott both crashed during qualifying. Um, we had multiple drivers crash during practice. Um, we had guys uh, that, that basically just 
cut corners too tight and you're used to having in nascar you have the curb on a road course and then nothing in, inside of it maybe a, a tire barrier like they had in sonoma that they kept moving when you hit the inside here too hard you hit the wall and it shoots you up the track into the other wall <laughs> and that happened to multiple drivers and that's that's actually what wrecked uh, both harvick and chase elliott out of the out of qualifying so it's uh it's tough this is really tough uh racing and this is the first time they've done this so it's not surprising to see even the most aggressive drivers having the issues so yeah that was one thing we were actually talking about is that race like passing seemed a little bit difficult here which is why like you see the same people in the same positions most of the time but we were guessing that like you have really had to go into some of these corners to try to make your moves and Mm -hmm. people were going so hard that that's what they were losing it to because you had to. You weren't moving up. You weren't making yep. moves unless you were pushing the car past what it probably should be able to do on the course. Yeah, I mean, you look at what uh, uh, Shane was able to do in the, in his car. Is He was very good and diligent about braking early, then letting off the brakes and letting the clutch kind of just like sit in the middle of the corner. Or not in the middle of the corner, but as you're attacking the corner. Basically, woe yourself up early. That way you're not going to hydroplane, you're not going to skip it off into the corner. Then try and get an advantage on someone, get just slightly faster than them so you're catching them or you're, you know you're going to be outbreaking them, going into the corner, you can get inside of them. And then woe up all the way into the corner and accelerate out of it now that you've got the, the preferred racing line. That's what IndyCar guys do, that's what F1 drivers do, that's what I'm sure the Australian supercar guys do. And that's why he was well more pra- or way more practiced in it. The better road course drivers in NASCAR do the same thing. I mean, you look at some of the folks that ended up finishing up front for this, like uh, Elliott and Larson and Bush. They're all good road course racers. This is a road course. You had to be aggressive to get up front. Those are the guys that were able to make passes and get themselves to the front. Um, it's no surprise. Uh, this is this is quintessential hit your marks, don't fuck up road course racing as tight and hard as it can get, just like Sonoma was a couple weeks ago. Like I said, that's the closest thing to a street course that NASCAR has had. And this played out very similarly. So, There was a little bit of beating and banging going on, too, in, in some of these corners. Some of the guys were just taking it, sending it on there like, like you would in a video game, almost run, drive it into the guy and bounce off him and take that spot. Not a whole lot mm-hmm. as the race went on, but early I was definitely seeing some of that, which was quite interesting to see. You don't see that a whole lot in NASCAR where they're kind of just bouncing off of each other and, and making those moves in the corners. But like Big G said on this course, it was so narrow in spots and so hard to pass at times that at a certain point, if you want to make a move, if you know you're faster, you just got to move the guy out of your way and, and make it happen yep. if you if you think you are faster than him. Otherwise, you're just – like a little bit of what was in Stage 2, it was kind of just driving around a little bit. Um, stage mm-hmm. 2 kind of hit a little bit of a lull, but then Stage 3, it really amped up. So good battle in Stage 3. So Justin Haley, he impressed me in this race. He led a lot of laps near the end of this thing, and he just didn't have enough left in the tank at the end. Um, ended up finishing mm-hmm. second, which was a really, really good performance out of Haley. Yeah. Had you said, like, who's who's going to be leading uh, a road course race, especially a first-time road course race, um, especially out of that, that uh, uh, colleague racing camp, uh, the odds go to A.J. Allmendinger, not Justin Haley. Haley definitely known for some super speedway uh, uh, heroics in the past. Uh, which we get next weekend, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, but yeah, Haley ended up being the the biggest recipient of the uh, NASCAR shortens the race in your favor award and basically gets to get out front because of it. Um, and I think Shane, after all that had happened, was back in like 12th or 13th, I want to say. He was able to avoid that big wreck that stacked everyone up and stopped the whole field. And so he got way up. I think he was in fifth or sixth. And then he ran everyone else down. Um 
you know, Justin Haley finishing second is good and much better than I would expect from him at a, at a, at a road course. So, and especially out of this calling team. You just mentioned that big, big stack up and I know Big mm-hmm. G and I were laughing super hard when we saw that one. That was, was the funniest thing ever. It's like, yep. Welcome to driving in Chicago. <laughs> It looks yeah. like a bunch of kids playing with their matchbox cars, just shoving them yeah. together, and they just get stuck. It was so funny. Yeah, it's there were so many things going into this weekend, and I'm I'm gonna get into some stuff uh, with my my rapid fire question. But um, you know, there were so many things going into this weekend that I was so afraid of. Weather was not one of them. Did not know what the weather forecast had looked like. Otherwise, I would have been more anxious about that. But one of them was smaller, tighter course. One guy misses the corner or overshoots it and wrecks his car. There's nowhere to go, right? And and that, that happens in IndyCar and F1 and everything too. But generally, those cars get way more spread out. Uh, I think one thing that NASCAR did a smart decision on was by the time they were able to get this thing to go green, they chose, we're doing single-file restarts. We're not doing double-file restarts. I think had they done d- double-file restarts, it would have been even more of a wreck fest. There would have been more guys going into corners on the outside of someone else and getting caught up and catching the tire barrier catching the wall wrecking and then the whole field piling into them this was like sure we had one instance of this but it really wasn't even that bad hardly anyone came out of that with major damage like everyone was fine um even the drivers that kind of caused it were fine so all in all i'd say that was a success and uh and i think like if we come back here and do it i'm gonna be worried about it all over again because it's it's gonna happen uh, you know, tight racing late in a race and they do a double file restart here, it's going to happen multiple times. I did like where they had the cautions where it wasn't like full track caution. It's okay. This little corner where a guy's in the tires, Yep. everybody slowed down, but if he can back it out, it's fine. Obviously a number of yep. times in this one, they couldn't back it down or back it out. So you did go into a full caution, but I, I'm a big fan of the way that happened. Yeah. Like you said, the Single file restart, a lot of people complaining about that one. Obviously on Twitter, people just complain about everything all the time. Um, I think it was a good decision. Otherwise, like you said, this these restarts at the end would have just been a wreck fest. We might still be trying to finish this race right now. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they definitely, I think they could have ran actually a little bit longer. Uh, that was going to kind of get your take on that as well. But um, when they shortened the race 25 laps, obviously they didn't know how many cautions they were going to be getting during the race. When they started the race, had it gone green and been like a really clean race, they probably could have gotten the whole thing in. By the time they finished, it and again, the TV always makes it look lighter than it actually is, but it looked pretty light there. And there are sections of the track that at least have street lights. You have kind of the natural ambient light that you get from the city. I was wondering how much more they could have actually gone, maybe at least another 10 laps uh, to, to kind of like have this race go at least closer to the full distance. Um, all in all, across the two races, they basically ran 100, just over 100 laps. So really, they ran like one one cup race so i guess final thoughts on chicago just the weekend in general what what do you guys think about this one i i think it was a smashing success despite the weather everything i'm reading is overwhelmingly positive it seems like the media coverage was really impressive it put a really nice shine on chicago in my opinion and i think you've got a lot of fans typical nascar fans um that may think oh chicago it's a crime ridden city. It's dirty. But I think a lot of people that came into Chicago found that this is a world-class city. It's not called the second city for, you know, no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baby G or uh, big G what was your thoughts. My thoughts are that near the end of the race, they started getting into like some of the better drone shots and sky shots of the race and all that. And like in the future, if they 
don't have the bad weather, like the positions they could put cameras to show the racing and follow it around and like really highlight how the course is going through downtown. Like some of the shots having lived there, I'm like, oh, there's that building. Oh, there's that building. And like seeing that, but like Mm -hmm. they didn't really get to highlight that because of the weather issues. And in the future, it could be Mm -hmm. really phenomenal viewing. Yeah, I, I definitely was thinking sort of the same thing that, like, I, I obviously knew the track. I knew exactly where they were at. I've driven through there a million times. I've walked through there a million times. Uh, that is right where they do have Lollapalooza and everything, too. Um, but, yeah, the, the biggest thing to me was, yeah, lack of lack of a sky shot. Can't do it. You just can't do it with the weather being what it was. And so, you know, some of those things really suck from both a at-home standpoint and from a, uh, you know, being at the track standpoint. So I, I do think they come back. They could do it even better. But how about that shot of the final lap coming over the Columbus Street Bridge um, into into the, the where the, the horse statues are, there, the big horse statues? As he's coming up over the bridge for the final time, that shot of the city and people walking through the crosswalks and the cars in the city, and you can see the L back yeah, there. Yeah, the L is going. That was awesome. Yeah, NASCAR comes up over the, the edge of the bridge, just appears out of nowhere. It's one of the coolest shots I've ever seen of NASCAR. It looks like it's from a movie. It does not look real at all. If you showed me that five years ago, I would have been like, that's all CGI. That's it's not fake. a real Yeah, there's video. no way. Yeah, it's iRacing. <laughs> uh, and this was. This was iRacing. Um, yeah, my, my opinion on, on just this track and everything is just like, yeah, I agree that it was a success. I do think that, for the most part, most people in the city, from what I had read, and, and, and I actually talked to some friends that live in the city still, and... Nobody was really that bothered by it. Um, the folks that said, you know, oh, traffic oh, it was such a big deal. Um, it does suck that they shut down part of Lakeshore Drive, but they do for other events as well. Um, I think the the amount of attention that it brings to the sport is really good. I think there were a, so many fans that were there that were not NASCAR fans, but they knew what the event was and they watched it because they live in Chicago. Right. It's not that they bought tickets to it. Nobody's going to drop 250 necessarily for a ticket of something that they don't know. But they checked it out. They turned it on TV. And guess what? They did get a good show, especially that final stage, I thought was really, really good. And drivers were really aggressive and, and some of them made mistakes. And that's exciting, too. So I think they got a really, really good show. Also, let's be um, real. Traffic's always terrible in Chicago. When people are going yeah. to the race, they're <laughs> taking public transportation. They're taking the L. They're taking yep. the Metro. People aren't like... When you know events are going on downtown, you avoid downtown. It's a reason yeah, a lot period. of people leave Chicago because you have to time your day around traffic. And like mm-hmm. that's just life there. So I don't see it really deterring many people. And I hope for future events, they try to keep it more race focused instead of this. Like the concert thing obviously backfired this year. I think some people are going to be unhappy about that. Like focus on the race, highlight the race. I think the race can be the main event and, Let's go all in on that. The The reason I'm not mad about the concert thing, um, well, I'm mad that they obviously they weren't able to do it, and I hate that for, for NASCAR and for the sport, but is because look at the demographic that you're really trying to target here, the one that F1 has started to win over um, and, and, and will eventually lose, but NASCAR is primed to take a lot of that. It's that 18 to 49 demographic. And if you can get specifically like that 18 to 35 demographic in, which you do by having people like the chain smokers do a show after the race, then you get them to go to the event. They're going to go to the event too. Maybe they'll show up late. Who cares? If they see some of it and they see a good product, they might tune in again. And that's it. That's the reason you do that. And, and you know, uh, the Indy 500 has a concert 
uh, that goes on in the middle of the track during the race. They've done it for, I don't know, over a decade now. Um, and they do it for the exact same reason. It, I think it's cool. Um, you know, yes, those folks are not there to see the race. That's not what they're interested in. But they end up they end up picking up a bit of it just by being there. So, I mean, I think it's a good idea. But really, there wasn't that much seating at the race when you're watching it. Like, there's not that much to miss out on when, like, you're mostly watching a corner. It's not that big of a deal, I would say, as well. See, I agree. You just want people in the area so it doesn't dead. Yeah, that, and that's true, too. I mean, this is it's still a road course, right? This isn't Roval. Like, the, the Roval is, like, a totally different thing. And since they've been able to do the Indy road course and some of these other Daytona road course when they were doing that, these tracks where you can see the whole track. I mean, you, you were there. Both of y'all were there at Charlotte. You could see the whole track, right? Now you can see the whole track, but they also do the infield. So it's one of the only places in the world where you can see an entire road course in one seat. Um, just very rare. You just don't get those opportunities. So this is what you get at street courses. You can see a corner, maybe two, and hopefully they have enough TVs around the track for you to catch the rest of the action. And that's that's pretty normal. So Cool. Um, the last thing I wanted to kind of make a comment on, specifically about our winner here, is because uh, I don't think they said enough about it um, on the broadcast, but that this guy drives those Australian supercars like Motocross Ambrose does or did before he came over to NASCAR, and then he had relative success in NASCAR driving for um, you know Petty and and uh, and, and JTG Doherty and not really having that that performative car, but still winning road course races and and, and performing pretty well. Um, he drove on the right side of the car in Australian supercars and then was in the left side of the car here. Now, I've driven in England. It's not hard. That part is not that impressive to me. The impressive part is he's used to shifting with his left hand and so therefore has to shift now with his right hand. And from what I had seen in some of the in-car footage and what they had said, I think they said this on the broadcast or I heard it somewhere else, maybe a podcast or something, he was reaching over and shifting with his left hand like across his body to shift because he was so used to doing it that way and there were a lot of places where he that was more natural to him and that's super impressive for a guy that went out there and just kicked everyone's asses that's insane man i I can't even visualize trying to do that in a car myself no not at all that's an amazing (laughs) factoid yeah yeah i and i i i mean he did he went out there and kicked everyone's ass and I think it's interesting because I am definitely one of those proponents that I, I both say that I think NASCAR has some of the best drivers in the world. I would put them up against F1 and IndyCar drivers. I liked when we had IROC because we could actually do some of that. The Australian supercar drivers are generally not in that conversation, but it is the most similar sport to NASCAR that happens internationally, and and they deserve a lot of credit. And this guy specifically, it's not just Australian supercars that he drives. He drives a lot of different series over there, and he wins in everything. He's Australian Kyle Larson, uh, or sorry, New Zealand Kyle Larson. I should be very specific here. Um, that Kiwi can drive the shit out of anything, and he just proved that by winning in his first race, which nobody had done since, what was it, 63? Literally yep, been 60 years. Whew. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think that brings us right into our storyline, which I, I, I struggle to find a storyline or think of a storyline because we're recording so early but this week. But I think Project 91 maybe just found its f- like full-time driver um not that they necessarily want to do that but like Trackhouse might have found its third driver um and they became the first team ever in nascar's history to win with drivers from three different nationalities 
in their third year of existence. So I put that in my personal notes as well. I was having a couple beers during the race, so my notes got a little sloppy at the end, but I just go SVG going to cup in one year. I think one year is probably a little bit aggressive, but I could see him in the future definitely getting in he, that 91 He said it post-race. He said it post-race. He said, I mean, he's been destroying people and supercars, and look, you make more money over here. Um, and so he said it post-race. He said, I got one more year in Australian supercars, and then I'm probably coming over here. Uh, he said it, and I think he will, and I think he could be really good. So, not, I mean, obviously road courses are going to be his specialty early on, but those guys can drive any any kind of track that NASCAR goes to, too. So, I'll be honest, I don't know Here much you. about Australian supercar, but since they're on the Southern Hemisphere, would their season then be winter here, and he'd just be able to pick up at the beginning of next season, and that be his timeline then, if he wants to do one more year there? You know, there's a healthy amount of overlap. They're they're racing like this this weekend um, over there, for instance. Um, there's a healthy amount of overlap, so I don't think you can do both. Uh, you definitely have to choose one. Then that NASCAR season's so long, um, and and really just that one week off, right? So like, uh, you really if you're gonna do NASCAR, you really can't do anything else. Um, but uh, like I said, you can make more money here, and I think that's why you saw uh, Marcos Ambrose do the same thing. Marcos Ambrose, I think, won two Supercar, maybe three Supercar championships before he came over. Um, and then came over and, and like I said, had relative success. Uh, a guy that wins multiple races in NASCAR is among an elite few. There's only so many drivers that have even done that. So, cool, cool. Um, you want to go over IndyCar, some other car, some other series? Uh, what did you see at IndyCar? Yeah, so I watched most of the IndyCar race just because of the weather at Chicago. Obviously, the thing wasn't going off as it was expected. So we're at. Mid-Ohio for IndyCar. So this was a, a pretty cool race. I know some of the series um, are going to Mid-Ohio. Arkin Trucks this upcoming week. But Alex Poulot, um kind of just dominated this race at, at Mid-Ohio. So I, it, was, it was a fun watch. I kind of had it on waiting for NASCAR to get fired up and going. So uh, good job by Alex Pelou. And then F1. I know, B-Boy, you said you're done with F1. But we got some notes here. What's uh, <laughs> What happened with Australian GP this week? Uh, yeah, the uh, yeah Austrian, uh, Austrian. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Over here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Austrian GP. I didn't watch most of it. I caught parts of it. Um, but yeah, Red Bull dominated again. Uh, Max won the sprint and the race. Uh, uh, Perez finished second in the race. So they had the t- both both cars won two, which I think has been, I think like seven of the nine races this year they finished one two that team. So makes sense. Um, and Max has won the last five races, six races. I forget, something ridiculous. Uh, they've won all, all of the races this year, that one team. Um, but the worst thing, and again, this just confirms my not wanting to watch this dumbass sport. Um, 12 uh, penalties were given to eight drivers post-race for track limit violations. Um, so if you think about in NASCAR, how we were at Sears Point uh, or Sonoma the, the other week, and they kept inching lower and lower, hitting that tire barrier and getting beneath the... the, the rumble strips in turn 11 those would have been track limit violations so imagine nascar after the race is done going back and reviewing footage to see who went off track who went too low there and then deciding to give time penalties to everyone afterwards and shuffling the results five hours after the race is finished that's what f1 did this week and that's why it's a fucking unwatchable sport um esteban Ocon, which granted i saw some of the replays and he was cutting the course pretty pretty aggressively um, but only, you know, a couple feet off the course. Yeah, he had four penalties just himself. Um, so I think he won 10-second penalty and three five-second penalties. So he dropped basically all, all the way to the bottom. 
Um, but yeah, it just it's just dumb. It's dumb to be adjusting the like I, I get if a car is out of spec, like I get that, but it's dumb to be adjusting and giving penalties and stuff post race and especially that far post race. Um, and and yeah, just not competitive right now. It's just it's a dumb sport. Seems to me that you should be able to figure that out while we're uh, running the race there. I don't know why it's taking yep. five hours to go back and review footage. That seems insane to me that they're doing that after the fact. Either it's blatant enough that it's a penalty live, or if you really got to spend five hours to review it, what are we doing here? Yeah, if you're not giving that penalty live or giving the warning, mean, they were giving warnings, I think. Um, but once, if you're not giving the penalty live, the driver's not going to adjust. Ocon probably just kept cutting the course because nobody was telling him not to, you know? Um, you gotta have, you gotta have that warning and that penalty come in live so that you, you adjust, you adjust your whole race strategy. You know, there's a five second penalty. You should make sure you stay five seconds ahead of the guy behind you, whatever, you know, and they just weren't given that opportunity and just don't. So, um, don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's move on back to NASCAR, the good sport. Um, and let's talk some race prediction predictions. We're at Atlanta this week. Big G, do you have access to the, the notes right now? Do you want to break it down? I do have access to the notes, so... Nice. Let's do it. Track Atlanta for Cup and Xfinity, and we will be at Mid-Ohio for ARCA and Truck Ooh. Series. The ARCA race goes off at 6 o'clock Eastern Time on Friday, and Truck will be going off at 1.30 Eastern Time on Saturday. It is the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150, and the stages are 20, 20, and 27. That evening on Saturday, we will now go to Atlanta for the Xfinity and Better Health 200. 8 p.m. Eastern Time start with stages of 40, 40, and 83. And then on Sunday, staying in Atlanta, the Cup Series, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So this is going to be a night race. I have not been paying attention, Mm -hmm. so that's new to me. And it is the Quaker State 400, stages of 60, 100, and 100. Yep. Uh, this is the one that I was able to go to last year. So last year. Um, yeah, I believe so. It was last year. Uh, uh, but it was when they had first moved it to night and it was a good thing too, because it's hot. It's hot in Atlanta in the uh, middle of the summer like this. So they kind of have to do them at night, but yeah, uh, Atlanta's fun, man. The new Atlanta so much fun. Uh, it's really cool to go to a street course and then back it up with Atlanta. I think that's dope. And this is the first track we'll have gone to twice in the year. Um, that is, well, obviously, we were there in March. So, Your previous winners at Atlanta, 2023, Joey Logano. 2022, Chase Elliott and William Byron. And 2021, Kurt Busch and new guy's boy, Ryan Blaney. So, like you said, man, this... Atlanta with this repay of reconfiguration, it's your super speedway style racing, but on a bit, little bit of a shorter track. Is it a mile and a half there at, at Atlanta? Yep, mile and a half. Yep, yep. So a mile and a half, but it races like a super speedway. So you can get some freight training um, throughout this one. You'll yep. see probably some drafting, some some really aggressive pushing as well. So this is one where some of these uh, super speedway drivers are really going to be pushing to get that win and get in those playoffs. Yep, this is uh, considered a wild card race for sure. All right, well, let's go ahead and do jump into our Smart and Heart picks. Um, let me recap last week, which was a really tough week to call. Uh, Notice that a lot of our, our road course picks ended up not doing so well or running into some issues. 
Um, first starting out, B-Boy had picked Martin Truex Jr. and A.J. Allmendinger, finishing 32nd and 17th, uh, respectively, really bad. Average of 24.5. Um, new guy had picked Kyle Busch and Tyler Reddick. Uh, Kyle Busch had rebounded from an early incident and finished 5th, and Tyler Reddick caught a late incident and uh, finished 28th. Had to get pulled out of some tires there. Um, Baby G, you had Christopher Bell and Chase Elliott. Um, uh, Christopher Bell, again, dominated so much of the race and then ran into some issues. He finished 18. And Chase Elliott, very solid finish. Another consecutive top five uh, for a third spot. So an average of 10.5. That brings our averages to Baby G with a lead of 12.47. B-Boy in second with a 14.78. And New Guy in third with a 15.22. New guy will forfeit his ability to pick first this week, given uh, uh, he's not here. Um, so let me see here. Let's take a look at our standings. Um, smart and hard picks, the way that this works is we have our smart pick. has to be someone. Well, it doesn't have to be someone from the top ten, but can be someone from the top ten in points. And the hard pick has to be someone outside the top ten in points. So let's take a look, see here. I'm going to go with... I'm going with Blaney. Sliding in there with new guy not being here. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me William Byron. The old Byronator. Cool. Um, outside the top ten. I'm going to take Bubba Wallace. Mostly wishful thinking, wishing with my heart here. I am going to grab Baby Gibbs. With Big G Ooh. on the pod, got to slide in there and take uh, one of his up-and-coming favorite drivers there. Well, speaking of, uh, I'm going to capture Baby G's, uh, sorry, Big G's uh, picks for this week as well alongside ours just to see how he does. So, Big G, who you got? All right. For my smart pick, I will go with Big Joe, Joey Logano. Mm. And who you got for your heart pick? For my heart pick, ooh, this is tough. I think I'm going to take Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Ooh, that's a good pick. I was very close to picking him to 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 have another uh, uh, restrictor plate win, basically on on the season. So another super speedway type win. So cool, cool. Well, we've got him in there. We'll get new guys' picks in there at some point this week. Uh, you know, he'll have to. Send them in from London. I don't know how they send things over there, I guess. Coming over on a telegram or something. Pigeon. Messenger pigeon. (laughs) Yeah, like it's war times. Hopefully not a submarine. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of Smart and Hard Picks and right into Rapid Fire. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit us with our first rapid fire today. Uh, just given that uh, I was alluding to a question earlier, um, so I'm gonna say uh, actually I'm just gonna only have this one question because I'm gonna save the other question for next week. Um, but I want y'all to rank these NASCAR experiments. Um, obviously, uh, Big G, I know you've not watched as much, um, but you can kind of rank them based on an outsider's perspective as well, and that'd be interesting. Um, so I'm going to list off these six things that have been done, and you just tell me what you think the order is. Uh, Baby G, you can go first. But the six type of events are the Chicago Street Race, obviously, um, Charlotte Roval, the L.A. Coliseum Clash, um, North Wilkesboro Revival, the Atlanta Repave, and Bristol Dirt. So you, want me to, you want me to name my personal? Yeah, just put them in order, like one to six. Like, what do you think is the best? What do you think is the worst? 
All right, let's run them down. So Atlanta repaves my number one. Mm -hmm. I think Roval's my number two, just because it's so unique. Mm -hmm. Chicago Street, I really liked, unfortunately, with the weather, but I think it was a really cool event, really cool idea. Uh, North Wilkesboro was super fun for the All-Star Race. I am really looking forward to them hopefully using that track in the future. I know we had a, some pretty robust discussion about does that need to be a points race or not. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's cool as an exhibition. We'll see where it goes from here. Uh, Clash for me, probably number five. It's such a unique event. They kind of used to do just the Daytona Clash, and it's like, okay, it kind of just turned into a wreck fest, and we're just wrecking cars for no reason. So I think it's mm -hmm. cool that... We're going to the clash. We're going to be coming into the third season here of it. So I, I talked about this last week or the week prior. I think we need to maybe move this to a stadium series instead of just staying mm -hmm. in LA. And then okay. for me, the Bristol dirt, I'm, I'm not in love with it. It's, it seems like to me, it's just a gimmick and I, I'm not a big fan of dirt racing. All my dirt gotcha. racing memories are as a kid going to a local speedway and sitting there, you go home, your white shirt is now Brown and you're breathing it in. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's just leaving a bad taste in my mouth. Gotcha. All right, uh, Big G, what you got? All right, let's get controversial. I'm going six to one. Number six, okay. Atlanta. We paved a track. Great. That doesn't <laughs> seem like that's that innovative. Number five, okay. the Good Revival. Point. Number four, the Roval. It's cool. Number three, Chicago Street Race. I think it's something that can be expanded on, and they can potentially look into other cities or doing something similar to really expand the brand. Number two, I like the Coliseum race. Obviously, the first year was better than the second because they had the paid section of good-looking people that they kept showing. <laughs> and number one was actually the Bristol Dirt Race because I thought it was just super fun watching them slide around that track in the dirt. I know it's a gimmick. They probably shouldn't do it every year, but, like, you got to try something. Like, it was just silly. Yeah. I like I like the way that you approach that question a lot a lot differently. More about how far out did NASCAR try and go to try and do this kind of thing. And I think yeah, cup cars on dirt is it was it was an adventure. Now I think most people are sour about it because it happens at Bristol and they just want regular Bristol. Right. Nobody right. showed up for that. So you know, what are you gonna do? Um, my rankings, baby G, you were like reading my rankings. It's super weird. Uh, mine are the Atlanta repave as number one. Again, it was the safest one. You're totally right. Um, uh, uh, big G that, that is definitely the safest thing that they did. Um, Charlotte Roval second safest, safest thing, but it is my number two, the Chicago street race. Look, we didn't have rain this weekend. This has been my number one, um, to, 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 to kind of cap off NASCAR's accomplishments here before I read off the rest of my rankings, everything that they've tried here, this is the hardest one logistically by far the hardest thing that they've tried to do. Without rain, add in the rain that I mean, the fucking tires on pit lane were floating away from the team's pit boxes. That's how much rain they had. And they got out there and they were like drivers were doing the drivers meeting. The racetrack will be ready as soon as it stops raining. Don't you worry about it. And sure enough, they fucking delivered. They went out there and pushed standing water off that track. They cut holes and signs and all kinds of different things to let the drainage work. And, and were picking up barriers to get the water up off the track. Everything they possibly could. And then even then ran into, oh shit, it's nighttime. It's going to be nighttime here soon. We have to finish this race somehow and shorten the race. They got it in. Logistically, a fucking nightmare. Um, I, I know how F1 races go. I know exactly what they would have done here. It was like Monaco a couple years ago when it rained there. It was a shit show. Terrible race. Terrible everything. 
Um, NASCAR, hats off to you. That would have been a number one overall for me if it hadn't rained. Um, and they can't control that. So Bristol Dirt gets my number four. I actually do think it's, it's the same thing as Baby G. I think it's cool. Uh, sorry, Big G. I think it's really cool that they're sliding around out there. It's your names are way too similar for me. Um, but uh, I like it. I, I like it. I went to the, one of the races, so I'm probably a little biased there. Um, North Wilkesboro Revival was a five for me. The product wasn't very good. Um, it's cool that they revived a track, but other than that, there's nothing really that great about it. And I really am afraid that like. How many more years of racing will they get out of that track before they leave it alone again? Um, that's what I'm afraid of there. And LA Coliseum, I agree. I think it's just kind of lost its luster, and we should go to other, um, uh, uh, you know, big coliseum or, or, or stadium type of places and have races. I think it'd be really, really cool. So let's let's go to the actual coliseum. Let's go racing in Rome. Let's do it. Let's do it. Or yeah, some some of these college football stadiums, massive, massive places. So yeah, they can hold hundred, hundred twenty thousand people. Like, imagine if they did this thing at, like, the big the house big in house. Michigan. We, all, we yeah. already go to Michigan <laughs> on the schedule, looking. but, man, oh, boy. that would be so sick. <laughs> I got one rapid fire this week for you guys as well here. As as two former Chicago residents, what is Lori Lightfoot's legacy? This for, race? For, no. <laughs> for those that don't know, Lori Lightfoot, the former mayor of the city of Chicago. Um, her legacy... Her legacy is being a terrible mayor during COVID and, and during, uh, you know, everything that was going on with, uh, racial injustice in the city and, and just every, uh, she was a terrible mayor. So yeah, I, I have nothing, there's no legacy there. I, I was leaning that same answer. Like for those who don't know what happened in Chicago, like one, she would wait till the governor would make his decision, wait 36 to 48 hours and then give it her Lori stamp basically saying we're doing the same thing but acting like she came up with it the whole way and two they've closed all the parks and the waterfront the safe places to be during covid for Mm -hmm. the entire year so they told people don't go outside encouraging people to have parties with their friends and thus spreading (laughs) it worse yep yeah really yeah just uh, I have I've worked with people that I think are exactly like Lori was, and it's the kind of person that doesn't do any of their job until you go. I'm gonna fire you if you don't do something, and then they finally do something and they make the worst possible choice. Um, that's that's what Lori Lightfoot's leg- legacy is to me. So I actually have one. I actually have a. I don't know if really Dreamy has one, but I have a question. I've got no opinion on Lori. I just everything I've heard oh, okay. seems like she's a real doofus. Yep, yeah, for sure. All right, yeah, uh, hit us with that question, Big G. My rapid-fire question is, come up with the next big innovative NASCAR gimmick. Mmm, jumps. I'd just given you the new guy answer because I know that's what he would say. He'd probably say figure eights, jumps, flames. Figure eights and jumps, yeah, for sure. A figure eight with a jump, Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, we we touched um, on this a couple weeks ago where we had the crazy idea of let's run you know a short track drive four hours to somewhere run another race but mm-hmm. um I would say that I think these guys could probably drive Martinsville blindfolded on the paperclip there they just kind of get in their <laughs> rhythm and go so let's let's run a race blindfolded it's going to be called spotters only mm. spotters only yeah. so you still got your spotter but you got to run that thing with no eyes. Gotcha. Well, don't, don't invite Brett Griffin. He'll get distracted by uh, what he thinks is a, a gunfire, but it's actually just a car backfiring. Um, 
yeah, I, I the comedic answers are definitely out of the way. Um, I, my most serious answer, and it's probably the thing that is going to happen next, is international racing. Um, so doing uh, cup races specifically because we've done Xfinity and we've done truck races in Mexico and Canada. But I fully expect us to be Mexico or Canada with the cup series very soon. Um, probably Canada, honestly, next. Um, I really hope that they do an exhibition race somewhere else. Uh, NASCAR, the cup guys, did go out and run. Actually, it may have been a national series race. I have to look this back up. I kind of forget. But they did run a race in Japan at one point, um, which was a really, really cool event. Um, and, and you know, Dale Earnhardt was there. Jeff Gordon was there. It was a really cool event. Um, I think going out and doing something like that, maybe that being like the way that they do the clash and doing it like two weeks before the start of the season would be super dope. Um, obviously, there's a lot of logistics involved in doing that, but they just tackled something that was super logistically hard. So they could do it. I have my answer for this as well. There's been a lot of clamor, clamor about Canada getting a potential NASCAR track. I say we take it to the next level. The first ever ice course, we're putting chains on the tires. It can be as big or small as we want because we can make it however we want. And let's go icing. <laughs> yeah, the the ice race idea has been has been floated many times. And I, I mean, honestly, it would be really interesting. Um slippery tracks are interesting and they are fun uh going out there and trying to do one in an in a safe way in some kind of like an ice rink bowl kind of thing where where you know you're not going to slide off the course because you have enough banking um if anything you're just going to slide down uh that would be really interesting to do even with just like 10 cars uh yeah i'm all up for as many exhibition races we can get in so cool any other rapid fire questions or we we're just gonna keep it at one this week I'm fine with one. I'm ready to read these standings if you guys are ready to ready to hear them. Ooh. Well, let's get to the end by saying end of rapid fire. <laughs> All right. Read those standings, baby. In first place, William Byron with 582 points. Is that right? Nope, it's not. So in first place, nope. Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> uh, second place, William Byron. Third place, Ross Chastain. Fourth place, Christopher Bell. Then we've got Kyle Busch. Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson in 8th, Ryan Blaney in ninth, Big Joe in 10th, Chris Boucher in 11th, Tyler Reddick in 12th, and then we've got rounding out the top 16, Brad Keselowski, Ricky Stenhouse, Bubba Wallace, and Ty Gibbs. And just outside of the top 16, we got Suarez in 17th. Yeah. Yeah, baby, uh, baby Gibbs making his way in. Big G making his first appearance on the podcast. Coincidence? Who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, the the back end of this 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 battle here has gotten really tight. Alex Bowman had a terrible race. Uh, one, he got wiped out by Denny Hamlin, but then he had some kind of like an oil issue, I think, um, and finished really badly. So he went from last person in back to twentieth now after two races, uh, moving in the opposite direction as Chase Elliott begins to to close in. Chase is fifty five points back back in 24th um but look at what almost happened this weekend justin haley um 21st obviously now after that finish but he's 45 points out he could have jumped up and taken one of those last spots making bubba the last one in by nine points over ty gibbs it's tight and we get one or two more winners i mean you're looking at ricky stenhouse also being on that bubble but he's got a win brad keselowski who's having such a nice season him and chris busher for rfk they're they're maybe become the last two point people in on points um and 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 things start getting tight 
uh, in terms of being able to make it on, on in on point. So uh, we'll see. See what's about to happen. I continue to be extremely disappointed with how Noah Gregson is doing this season. He's all the way down oh, in thirty second. Like, wow! So I am bad. shocked that he is performing this poorly. Uh, yeah, part of it's the car, but uh, like the, the those legacy motorsports cars are just really bad, and they're going to move to Toyota next year. And so, like, you know, how much is Chevy actually going to give them from now through the end of the year to help them out? Right? Like, probably not at all. And so, it you you kind of already consider the season a wash, but. He just was way in over his head this weekend. And I, like, after a couple wrecks, like, he wrecked four times at least. After a couple of them sliding into the tire barriers, you'd think you'd start breaking earlier. I don't know. I, I At least I would. I would get embarrassed. Uh, Noah out there baconating his way around the city, I guess, um, and without a care in the world. Just terrible. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end. You want to take us out, Baby G? Yeah, appreciate Big G jumping on on the holiday weekend here. So it's been the Big One Podcast, like we said at the top, Podcast Big One on Twitter, or any of your emails, podcastbigone at gmail.com. I am going to get out of here and start up some Korean barbecue, watch some fireworks tonight. Looking forward to continuing the 4th of July festivities. Oh, yeah, same here. Flying out to San Diego tomorrow. I'll be sending those California vibes when I send out this podcast on Wednesday. Uh, everyone have a good 4th of July weekend. Baby, baby G, big G. Thanks. Good times as always. Good times. All right. See y'all. No worries, no worries. When do we hit stop on the record? Okay.